0: Welcome in to the Den, home of the first place in the AFC North Cincinnati Bengals still after coming off a dramatic 24 to 21 win on Thursday night football against Jacksonville moves their record to 3 and 1 heading into the month of October. I think we all will take that. The Chicago game, wish we could have had that back and maybe sit at 4-0, but I'll take 3-1. I can't and complain too much about that. It was a game against Jacksonville that leaves us fans encouraged, I think optimistic. I do think there's still some concerns that continue to rear their ugly head. I don't love the fact that it took us to the final seconds of the game to beat a team that, coming into the game, Jacksonville had lost 18 straight, so they're not a good team, and we barely beat them. But a win is a win, and we'll get into some of those concerns later on. But first, we've got to enjoy this win. I was at the game, hence the voice octave being a little bit lower and groggier right now. It was a great atmosphere, honestly. Uh, first game I'd been to, obviously nothing in 2020, and I think I went to one in 2019, maybe. Definitely the year before that. So it had been a while since I'd been there. It was loud. On one of the Jacksonville third downs in the fourth quarter, it was, it was like when the announcers described the crowd noise as deafening. It was legitimately my ears were ringing, and that wasn't from the scoreboard making noise and doing any sort of promo type thing. It was literally fans just screaming and stomping and yelling. It was kind of cool to see the fans get quiet when Joey B goes up to the line and flaps his wings up and down there and quiets the crowd how quickly <laughs> we're able to to listen to our franchise quarterback and get him the uh, quietness he needs in order to operate there in the offense. I will say from the fan perspective, I didn't love the boo birds coming out at home Thursday night football ring of honor ceremony, a lot going on. And I mean, when I'm at home watching, I get frustrated. I might yell at the TV. Uh, obviously no one hears me when I'm doing that except for my uh, wife. Sorry about that. Uh, but Something about thousands of people booing the team at a home game sort of rubbed me the wrong way just because of when it was occurring and what they were booing. You can I kind of boo the play calling, I guess, if you don't like the calls Zach Taylor is putting out there, but it, it really feels like you're booing the team overall. It doesn't seem like you're booing just Zach Taylor if you're upset with him. It, it comes across as you're not supporting the team. And I, fans can do whatever they want in there. I'm not been out of shape about it. But for example, is the first half winding down, we get the ball inside our own one yard line with like 50 seconds left in the half. At this point, you do not want to take a safety. You don't want to turn the ball over and give them a touchdown quickly. Joe Burrow does the smart thing. He tries to draw them offsides, get a free five yards. So he's doing a hard count. Uh, instead, they don't go offsides. We get a delay a game and the boo birds are out. And I'm like, Guys, it's half the distance to the goal. We were already inside the one. The ball might have moved three inches backwards. It really doesn't make a difference. And it was a good risk to take to try to get them to jump off sides and get five yards. That type of stuff was just like maybe it's just fans not quite paying attention to what's going on or understanding why the Bengals are doing what they're doing. But the booze came out. It was kind of lame in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. I was frustrated being down 14 to nothing. The three and outs in the first half were getting annoying but I didn't feel like we were out of the game maybe if we're getting blown out and there's like obvious bad plays like think about the Pittsburgh game last week Najee Harris dropped like a couple in a row and then another guy dropped one late in the fourth quarter if I'm seeing drop after drop after drop like yeah maybe you start booing that effort or you see lack of effort I don't know again I'm not worked up about it I just seemed seemed like it was a little premature to be booing the team out there and of course by the end of the day no one was booing. Overall, I think the fans were great. Paul Brown Stadium was rocking. And the Bengals are sitting at 3 and 1, like I mentioned. And that's a pretty big deal. Uh I know the the NFL when you're watching broadcasts will typically throw up uh various stats of your odds of making the playoffs if you start 2 and 0 versus 1 and 1 or 3 and 0 versus 2 and 1, like the differences in those. Uh, similarly i looked up the bengals moving to three and one they have done that six times since 1990 prior to this season Uh, their final records in those six seasons they went nine and seven back in 1990 made the playoffs 2006 they went eight and eight missed the playoffs 2009 10 and six playoffs 2012 10 and six playoffs 2014 10 5 and one playoffs And 2018, I honestly have no recollection of 2018. I don't know what happened that year. I must have just stopped following the team for a while. Or maybe I just put it into the uh, back of my brain to forget. But the Bengals actually started that season four and one and finished six and ten. So uh, two and nine down the stretch. Marvin Lewis's last season, perhaps fittingly. But obviously you can see there six times previously in the last 20, no, that's 30 years. Starting the season three and one make the playoffs four of the previous six years the other year you were five hundred um, now we haven't had success in the playoffs but I think this team in its current iteration getting to the playoffs would be a major win uh, obviously a step in the right direction after an abysmal first couple of years of the Zach Taylor era so it's encouraging I don't think it guarantees anything because when we look back at the end of the season. I expect Minnesota is going to be around a 500 team ish. We beat them. That's great. Chicago does not look good. And we'll see once their quarterback situation gets figured out whether it's Justin Fields improving or Andy Dalton gets healthy and comes back and is an improvement over Fields. Either way, I don't think Chicago's very good. So, again, that's another reason that loss hurts so bad. We really should be sitting 4 0. Uh, then you look back at Pittsburgh. I don't think, I think Pittsburgh will be closer to 500. Than like a, a tanking team sort of thing, but they're not I I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I could be wrong on that. Pittsburgh. If you're a Cincinnati native and you keep up with Cincinnati sports, the Steelers feel like the St. Louis Cardinals. No matter what, like there's a rivalry between the Reds and the Cardinals, and no matter what we try to do for winning games against them, it doesn't seem to matter. Somehow, St. Louis always ekes us out. And it happened this year with the Reds. They're like in the playoff picture. They kind of crumble down the stretch. But then, of course, the Cardinals go on and win 19 in a row. So anyways, the Steelers kind of feel like that, that you can't really count them out as bad as they looked. As much as I hope that they are bad this year, would I be shocked if they went on some sort of run and made the playoffs? Not really. So I don't the Steelers win could be a decent one when we look back. But then you got Jacksonville, who if they lost every game this year, I wouldn't be shocked. So it has been an easier start to the season for Cincinnati. I've mentioned the last couple episodes now that gauntlet of games coming up from basically November, all of November and December. Uh, so it's good they're stacking up wins against teams they should. I'm a little hesitant to look at the previous six times they've started 3 and 1 since 1990 and say, "All right, chances are we're going to the playoffs" based to those team based on those teams. Obviously, I have different coaches, different personnel, different uh NFL landscape, things like that. So, nonetheless though, I'll I'll celebrate 3 and 1. I'll be happy about 3 and 1. And we got to talk stats, right? We did this like last episode or last recap episode where we went into some stats of the game, man. The first half was gross. If you watch that first half, it was crazy how fun and entertaining the first drive of the game was for the Bengals moving down the field, chunk plays, mixing up the play calling and the missed field goal. I, I, I actually didn't think the missed field goal was a big of a deal at the time. Like, yes, you want to cap off that drive with points, but it wasn't one of those missed field goals where it felt like the stadium was just deflated. Everyone like everyone was still excited. We still moved the ball well. It really started to get deflated after, I think it was Lawrence rushing his second touchdown, or um, the second touchdown for Jacksonville to make it 14-0. That drive hurt. There was a few plays on there that kind of killed momentum. But first drive of the game, we looked good. And then after that, the rest of the first half was garb. So zero first half points. Second time this season, which is a little concerning. This offense. Hasn't scored in the first half against Chicago. They didn't score in the first half. And then against Jacksonville didn't score in the first half. Zero points. The offense generates four first downs and three of those came on the first drive. So we have that first drive um, moving the ball down the field. No problem. Obviously kind of stalls out in the red zone. No points, but. After the rat, after that, the remaining drives of the first half were gross. 103 total yards for the offense. 70 plus of those, 75, I think, came on the first drive. So the first drive, as encouraging as it was, the rest of the drives were just as discouraging. 24 rushing yards at the half. Uh, turn up, time of possession was killer. I think we had like 11-ish minutes time of possession in the first half, which would mean Jacksonville had like 19 really felt like they had the ball a lot more than we did. We had a couple three and outs. We had another drive where we got a first down on the first play of the drive and then went three and out from there. So rough. And then defensively, it wasn't just our offense struggling. The defense gave up 15 first downs in the first half. When I looked up at the video board and I'm watching, like looking at the stats up there, I was like, 15? That's a ton of first downs. Uh, 240 yards against us in the first half. 115 came of that, of that came on the ground. Jacksonville ran 35 plays. Uh, I think Cincinnati ran about 21 or so, and a couple of those were the end of the half where they were basically just running sneaks to get out of the goal line, goal line. So when you look at like plays where we're actually trying to move the ball and do things, it was really about like 35 to 19 or so in the first half. So Jacksonville really dominated that first half, being down 14 to nothing. No doubt, frustrating. I wouldn't say I was. I was concerned if they scored another touchdown, we went down 21-0, things would get ugly. But down 14-0, I wouldn't say I felt uh, less confident that we could win the game. So although we missed a field goal, had no points, I think there were lots of encouraging trends in the first half. Uh, Zach Taylor must have listened to this podcast, previous episodes, or probably every Cincinnati Bengals podcast was mentioning the same type of stuff. But that first drive, one of those encouraging things was mixing up the play calling they had three plays that they ran under center and actually went play action which is something i've been yelling about of under center always on first down we always go under center and we always run it with mixon i think the last play action we'd run off of that was against chicago and we hit uzama on the flat for like no gain i think he actually broke a tackle to get a couple of yards but wasn't a big play and on the first drive three times under center play action. I did it a few times uh, the rest of the half as well. And they like we had success there. Chunk yardage Boyd for 33. Another one for 21 to Boyd Auden Tate had an 18 yard gain on a first down play action under center snap. Finally, it was working. They were doing it. Um, They even called a screen pass for Joe Mixon, which we haven't really seen a lot of this season. Unfortunately, it got blown up a little bit because I think, you know, typically when you think about a screen pass, the offensive line kind of lets the defense uh, defensive line through, and then it's a uh, you know quick release out to the guy who's catching the screen, and the offensive line's out in front to block. Unfortunately, the free rusher who was coming, the offensive line didn't hold him quite long enough, so Burrow had no time to really wait for the play to develop. He immediately had to dump it off to Mixon, and the blockers just weren't out there yet, so it didn't work. But I like to see that play call to get Mixon um, involved in the passing game. Uh, we had Jamar Chase catching a screen. It, Again, it wasn't a successful play. I went for negative two, but it's good to see him get the ball. Um, Burrow mixing things up, Zach Taylor mixing things up first half. I was encouraged, even though we were down 14. Then the second half happens, and Cincinnati scores on all four of their possessions. And at the game, I didn't really realize, wow, we've scored every time we touch the ball in the second half. Uh, I read a tweet later that said that and looked up the um, game log on ESPN, and I was like, wow, we really scored. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And then field goal to end the game. Man, th- that offense was humming in the second half. Some of these second half stats were absolutely ridiculous. So, according to ESPN uh stats and info, they tweeted out after the game, Joe Burrow in the second half went 17 of 20, 253 passing yards, two touchdowns. On the final drive, uh, where I think we got the buyback with like five-ish minutes left, and Bengals credit to them were able to get enough first downs and the clock management was done well to where we were able to keep the ball didn't have to give it back to Jacksonville Burrow on the last drive five of five 68 yards sets up the game-winning field goal obviously uh, according to PFF Joe Burrow win under center and running a play action play was four of seven 74 yards a touchdown so as I mentioned we had some chunk plays off of that it worked well but then even Empty was working last night. Empty formation was working against Jacksonville. This was, according to Paul Danner Jr., stats that he pulled. Don't know what his source is, but uh, I'll trust you, Paul. Burrow went 14 of 16, 153, and a touchdown out of Empty formation last night. So pretty much everything the Bengals were doing offensively was working in the second half, the first drive of the of the game and then the second half. And the offense was moving. And honestly, when you look at those things to only score 24 points. I still want to see this offense explode for 30 plus. But 24 points, all that came in one half. I think we saw this offense scratch the surface of what they're capable of doing. Overall, great win. move to three and one. We're happy about it overall. Similar to the previous recap episodes, I want to get into things didn't like, did like. And I'm going to start with the didn't likes because I don't want to dwell on them and it's a win. So let's focus on the good stuff. Things I didn't like special teams is just really letting us down early on in the season. I'm not even really referring to Evan McPherson's missed field goal, but the kick returning and punt returning punt returning has been putrid so far this year. Darius Phillips, unfortunately he's never making the right decision on punt returns. It seems like he's fair catching inside the five. He's, uh, he did a fair catch in this game where he had seven to 10 yards of room before anybody was near him and he just fair caught it. And you could tell after he caught the ball and was able to see how far everyone um, was away from him. He was a little disappointed with that decision he made. Uh, He also took a kick return that was like six yards deep and tried to bring it out. And we ended up getting the ball at the 14 yard line. It's just happened too much this season where uh, our offense is getting pinned back because of poor decisions on punt return and kick return team. So, I'm hopeful that something that turns around Darren Simmons has been really solid with that unit in years past. So it's kind of unexpected that that is a weakness right now. I don't know whether they'll mix things up on who's returning the kicks or Darius Phillips. Hopefully just starts making better decisions. Uh, Other things I didn't like the defense really didn't generate. They generated a decent number of hurries on Trevor Lawrence. Didn't really result in sacks though. I thought that our line was going to be a key to this game because Jesse Bates was ruled out. Awuzie was out. It was. I know Trey Waynes was in the lineup, but really it's his first game back in like two years or whatever. So kind of tempering expectations there. We needed our line to generate pressure consistently because I don't think that Jacksonville has the weapons, nor do I think Trevor Lawrence is comfortable yet as an NFL quarterback dealing with pressure in his face. After averaging four sacks in our first three games, we only had one. Uh, official sack against Jacksonville. We had another one, I think it was Hendrickson's, uh, that was negated by penalty as a holding on Von Bell. That was a huge penalty. Um, but Lawrence really had the defense on their toes and the run option was hurting us. And Lawrence only ran the ball for 36 yards. He had the touchdown. So if you look at the stats, it's not like he put up a Lamar Jackson 125 rushing yard type of game. But four of those uh rushes from Trevor Lawrence resulted in first downs to extend drives. He had a couple that happened on third down where, man, we just needed to stop to get off the field. Our coverage is good. He flushes out of the pocket and then ends up, he's faster. He's faster than you think. Those long strides get to the edge and scamper for the first down. It's interesting. I went back. So Dalton had 25 yards rushing before he got injured against us. Fields came in that had 31 that game against Chicago. So Chicago has 50 plus rushing yards, three first downs rushing from their quarterbacks in week two. Kirk Cousins isn't really known for his rushing, nor is Big Ben at this point in his career. I'm curious as to whether this is something other teams with mobile quarterbacks will pick up on. As I look at the schedule, fortunately, we don't have a ton of quarterbacks that worry me in that area. Like Baker Mayfield is, I think, mobile in the pocket, but he's not one that's really looking to run necessarily. We still have Lamar Jackson twice. He's a concern for every team in the NFL, not just us. Maybe we'll see Trey Lance in week 13 against San Francisco and we've already seen him get sprinkled in there in the Kyle Shanahan offense being used as a runner near the goal line. So we'll see what week 13 looks like. It could end up being nothing, just something that was a little curious as that seemed to be something that had our defense hesitant. We couldn't go uh, balls to the wall chasing after the quarterback like we would with big Ben or whatever, because there was a chance that he was going to, to pull it down or hand it off to James Robinson or he'll pull it down and keep it or whatever it may be. So, Didn't love that. Not the biggest deal though. The second thing is more of a pet peeve and I'm going to keep it short because you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, but our defensive backs are just not getting their heads turned around on pass plays deep down the field. And it drives me insane because when a now I I don't play defensive back, I'm not in the NFL, so I'm sure it's harder than it sounds. But when a defensive back is not turning their head when they are uh, being targeted, you're not even giving yourself a chance to make a play on the ball because you can never see the ball. You're yes. You look at the receiver and maybe try to track the ball that way, but more or less, you're kind of playing blind, which is insane to think about. Um, Eli Apple has struggled with that in that area. Although he did have a really nice pass breakup on the Jags, I think second drive or first drive. It was on a fourth down attempt. He did well there. So kudos Eli Apple. I will give you that. Uh Trey Wayne's got beat deep to LaVisca Chenault, Um, beat him well. he, I wouldn't even say he really got beat deep. He was right there with Chenault, but he never got his head turned around. And Lawrence underthrows the ball. It seems like if Waynes turns around, he catches it and it's an interception. Instead, he never turns around. Chenault ends up coming back and getting it. Again, it's not something that's killed us consistently throughout the game or throughout the season, so it's not the largest concern in the world, but it's annoying. And uh, I'm hoping that once Awuzier returns and we kind of get that defensive backfield situated get wins, some more reps will be good in that area. But hey, that's kind of nice that I only have some pet peeves to rant about and no big outages among the team. I want to focus on the things I did like Logan Wilson coming in at number 1 here. He is really solidifying himself as a potential star on this defense. He had 10 tackles and a sack against the Jags. He had a he had a huge run stop. It didn't really impact the drive necessarily that much, but it was a huge play and that James Robinson finds the hole and I think it was like a second and two or something like that. It was short and Wilson gets there, plugs the hole and just drives him backwards. And it was a pretty like impressive play. I actually turned to my friend who I was sitting with and was like, that was a great tackle. Um, Bryden, Brian Baldinger, Baldinger from the NFL network. He actually broke down that play that I was referencing and kind of talked about Logan Wilson at large. He's out on Twitter. He typically does. Um, like film breakdown type of things. And he focused on Logan Wilson, and this is what he had to say. And they got their quarterback on defense. This kid's made 24 tackles the last two weeks. Two interceptions, a sack. I mean, when you talk about young middle linebackers in this business, does anybody shuffle, slide? And then when he gets there, that the point of contact, nobody goes any further. This is one of the best young defensive players in the league. And you got to start getting to know who just Logan Wilson is. So it's good to hear Logan Wilson getting some props out there. And for a guy that I was just hoping would be solid this year, to see him develop into a star is a major development for this defensive unit. Second thing that I really liked was the play calling. And I don't want to – I'm not trying to be a Zach Taylor hater, but I kind of think a good deal of the credit here goes to Joe Burrow. We saw him consistently audibling into – Different plays, and it seems like every time he audibled, it was the right play he was audibling into, uh including that game winning or game sealing pass to Uzama, which he Joe Burrow talked about in the presser, how he audibled into that. So it's good to see that one, Joe Burrow has an understanding of the offense. He has free reign in the offense to do those things, change the play at the line. Coaches trust him, players trust him, fans trust him to make the right call. That's awesome. I will give Zach Taylor some credit though, because like I mentioned earlier, he was mixing up the formations and the play types that were coming out of those formations, it wasn't always under center as a run with Mixon. It wasn't always empty is a quick five-yard pass type of thing. And what really helped was our offensive line, honestly. Um, They were giving Burrow plenty of time, so even in empty, he had time. Even though it's going to be typically shorter, intermediate routes in that area, he still had time to make the right read on that. And I actually, I know I hated on empty set before. I think it was against Chicago. And it's because we were just, getting pressured so much. There was no help back there for uh Burrow. There was no even though our running backs have struggled in run protection or pass protection, nobody back there to help Chip. There was no tight end on the line helping Chip before he went out in his route really. It was, re- it was really our offensive lineman versus the Bears defensive lineman. And Burrow just had no time to do anything. And it was dink and dunk three yards here and there. When when Cincinnati really got their offense humming and they went to empty, it was like their offense was already moving. They were in a zone and Tyler Boyd was just shredding in the middle of the field. Uh, at least a few of his catches. He was up against miles Jack. Like he's on a linebacker. They're not going to hang with him ever. 10 out of 10 times. Tyler Boyd's getting open. He is a great route runner. Awesome out of the slot. And so that was working for them to go empty and let Tyler Boyd dominate in that area of the field. So I will say kudos, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. Cause I was happy to see that there was a little less predictability. The offense had gotten super stale, and we saw something change for once. So that was a that was a positive. The last thing I want to mention, things that I liked. There's really a number of ways you could go with this, because there was a lot to like from this game. The offensive line gave up one sack coming after the Pittsburgh game, where they gave up zero sacks, uh, seven pressures and really it did not feel at all like games in the past where Burrow is, like I said before, snapping the ball and immediately having to get it out because there's someone in his face. Didn't feel like he was scrambling for his life. Burrow had so much time on some of these pass plays. In the pocket was so clean around him. You could see that that really was playing into Burrow's confidence a little bit. I think we could also mention Uzama, who has like a career game coming back off an Achilles injury, and he played really well. I just love that Uzama's not a huge part of this offense as it you know relates to being targeted in the passing game. But he's always where he needs to be. He seemingly is always making the play he needs to make. And we call on him on fourth down against Minnesota, and he makes a big play to really seal that game for us, help seal the game. And then he does it again against Jacksonville. Uh, really appreciate him and, and always being where he needs to be. Talk about Boyd, like I said, dominating. But I think we have to talk – Joe Burrow at length a little bit here. His final numbers were extremely impressive 25 of 32 348 yards two touchdowns no interceptions no fumbles didn't turn the ball over. It was his first 300 yard game since October 25th of last year so was week seven that was a game against Cleveland where he put up over 400. He had his highest completion percentage of his career 78.1 percent. He's now gone the four games this season three of them he's had a completion percentage above 70 percent now some of that is because the play calling has been so conservative and it's been quick dump offs quick passes quick uh, slants things like that this game was not that he was surgical out there looked like he had full command of the offense and still was completing passes at a high rate he was really picking apart jacksonville at all levels of the field we saw if you want to talk about like deep shots, I would say we probably really, really only saw like one to Jamar Chase down the sideline, made a good catch on it. He had some good, I don't know how, uh, I think PFF defines a deep pass as 20 plus, not 15 plus. But I know he had like one out to Jamar Chase for 15 yards for a first down. He also had a few plays that were like to Auden Tate or Tyler Boyd, especially that were getting some run after catch. Uzama had a couple where the pass itself wasn't necessarily thrown 30 yards but uh the big guy would rumble for for that as well. So either way, he looked really good. He looked really confident rolling out of the pocket anytime he was pressured or needed to extend a play. He possesses great touch and we know that. Um a lot of his passes were just exactly where where they need to be. And the one play that I wrote down as I was at the game or I wrote in my notes on my phone when he is slightly pre- he has kind of all day to throw, but then he starts to move in the pocket a little bit and He points Yuzama to where to go. Then he uh, Burrow goes from basically behind where about where the right tackle is, rolls all the way to the other side to the left, and hits Uzama in stride. That one ends up being the touchdown. And not only is he directing exactly where to go, but they showed the replay a couple times on the screen. He placed the ball perfectly. I mean, the outstretched arm of the linebacker, I think it was Miles Jack, almost gets there. And Burrow puts it exactly where it needs to be. I think the quarterback draw from last week and the scramble that he had last week where he avoided the sack, and we talked about it in that episode, he talked about it. I I played that clip from his presser where he talked about how big of a deal it was for him. That, and then coupled with back-to-back weeks now where the offensive line is protecting him, giving him a clean pocket to work from, and he's played very well, he is getting that confidence back, and you can see it. He is the unquestioned leader of the team, um, a quarterback that gives us hope as fans, gives uh everybody hope that that he can um win games for us and the confidence that he has and the swagger he has I think is really contagious and the fans feel it and the players definitely feel it. I mean everybody sings Joe Burrow's praises. Yuzama said after the game that Burrows always the smartest guy on the field. They love him. And we love him, especially when we're winning. So it was weird getting the ball late in the game, five ish minutes left, tie game at twenty one. I felt like oh, Burrow's going to drive us down the field here and we're going to win this game. And in previous years, it might not have felt like that. It might have felt like, gosh, please don't turn it over and and give a short field to Jacksonville where we lose the game or or whatever it may be. And instead, Burrow goes five for five, 68 yards on the final drive. And it felt like everybody in the stadium was just waiting. Like, okay, is he going to throw a game-winning touchdown or get us in position for the field goal? And to have that level of confidence Again, we're fans. Imagine being on the team and you have this confidence in the guy that is really running the offense that he's gonna he's gonna put us in a position to win and he's gonna get us where we need to go to win the game. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine how that's different. You know the stark contrast from previous years where it didn't always feel like that. um Joe Burrow is the q b one not in just my heart, but I think in the in the city of Cincinnati he is obviously in he is getting some fans nationally. I think he's going to get some recognition, recognition, especially after this game. And man, when I saw the clip or heard the clip of him rallying the guys up after the game and, and talking to his team, I literally got chills. Check it out. Couldn't go to war with a better group of men. Yes. Talk to him. We're going to keep fighting through adversity. It's not going to be perfect every time. We're going to keep pushing through that. We're just going to keep getting better and better and better and stacking these games. Yep. Let's yep. keep this going. Man, how can you not be inspired by that? Cincinnati has some extra days off. I think it's good. They've got to get healthy. We need to get uh, Bates and Awuzier and Mixon, who had a minor ankle thing, T. Higgins. They all have to be good to go for Green Bay. Green Bay is going to be a tough test for this defense so far. The best quarterback we faced, the best wide receiver we faced, probably. Yeah, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, one of the best running backs we faced. So um, it's going to be a big game. And I. Before I get into the Green Bay thing, I got to say shout out to uh, Jordan, our guest on the Jacksonville preview episode. We talked about fantasy starts and I said Jamar Chase and it was fine. He didn't score, but he had a good game. He said James Robinson and I'll be honest, I was like, James Robinson, have you watched Cincinnati? Like Our run defense is so good and maybe he got lucky, but shout out Jordan because James Robinson had a great game for fantasy. If you started him, he uh, rewarded you with a touchdown or two touchdowns, almost 80 yards, so Good job, Jordan. Good job, James Robinson. And again, how great is it when we can get some of these fantasy calls right for the other team and it doesn't kill the Bengals? So anyways, yep, Green Bay coming up. Uh, for now, we get to enjoy 3-1. and one. We get to enjoy first place in the FC North for at least one more week. And we get to enjoy being Cincinnati Bengals fans. Until next time, as always, good day.